Today is May 25th, 2021, and our first story, gunshots ring out during a live news broadcast in George Floyd Square, the no-go zone set up by Black Lives Matter and Antifa in Minneapolis on the anniversary of George Floyd's death. In our next story, Project Veritas exposes Facebook now censoring factual news that may cause people to question the vaccine. In our last story, the FBI is investigating death threats and white powder sent to Senator Rand Paul. Before we get started, leave us a good review if you like the show. Give us five stars. And if you really like the show, please share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Major breaking news out of the George Floyd Square no-go zone in Minneapolis. During a live report on the anniversary of George Floyd's death, around 30 or so gunshots rang out. People can be seen hitting the floor and ducking for cover. In the report, you hear a man repeatedly saying, get behind the engine block. Now, we don't know if there are any injuries. There's some speculation that two people may have been hurt. Some windows may have been shot out, but it's all relatively preliminary. And we need to wait for the official report so far. Another journalist was recording a stand up at the time, and we have very clear footage of the gunshots that were going off. Police have been called and said the shots were reported from around a block away. So again, this is all happening on the anniversary of George Floyd's death where there have been several major protests around the country. And there were calls for a moment of silence in Minneapolis at at the George Floyd Square no-go zone. But this is the kind of news that's contributing to a rapid decline in support for Black Lives Matter. I think you may have noticed I call this a no-go zone. And we need to address this and talk about what's going on. Antifa and the far left refer to these areas as autonomous zones. This has been referred to as the George Floyd Square or George Floyd Autonomous Zone, but they absolutely fit the the definition, the colloquial understanding of no-go areas or no-go zones. I think it's important that we don't use the language of those committing these acts of violence and terror when describing what these areas are, because it implies that we agree with them on their terms, what they're doing. Most people do not support this. They don't support the protests. They don't support the riots and they don't support the violence. In a surprising twist, John Brennan has actually come out and and expressed concern over far left vigilantism and the rise of violence, though it's a fairly weak statement. I think we need to go through what's going on and what we can see happening right now from the White House. Of course, they're absolutely supporting the riots. As you know, uh, it was Kamala Harris tweeted a fundraiser to bail out many of these writers. And now amid the massive escalation in violence, Jen Psaki for the White House said it's not a crime problem. It's a gun problem, which is just patently untrue. Guns have been around much for, for much, much longer than there has been a massive escalation in crime in these major cities. More importantly, as you may have seen from my previous reports, the crime is occurring mostly in minority neighborhoods. The Black Lives Matter activism is seeing a massive decline in support, lower than where it was last year, dramatically lower than where it was after George Floyd died. And it is the result of violence and riots. And I think most people in these minority neighborhoods know that the attacks on police, the calls for defunding the police have contributed, contributed significantly to the increase in crime. Now, to be fair, I must point out crime is rising everywhere and, and the pandemic and the lockdowns may play a role in this. But we cannot ignore that district attorneys in these major cities have released the rioters. So perhaps there is an increase in crime in general, but specific political crime is given a free pass by these leftist DAs. 
Let's jump into the story about these gunshots ringing out. And I want to go through what's going on with these no-go areas and break down what these are and talk about the importance of identifying these no-go zones for what they are. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, click the members only button, and you can become a member to support our work and help us do more of what we do, reporting the news. You will also get access to the members area where we have a ton of segments that YouTube does not allow us to talk about. So there's a lot of content you'll want to check out. And again, in the event we get a strike, we get suspended, we're talking about some very serious things the mainstream press and the establishment don't like. Being censored is a very real possibility. I've already seen it on Facebook. So please consider signing up to be a member. Let's get into the news. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, and share this video if you really would like to support my work. From Bring Me the News, MN, gunshots ring out during national TV broadcasts from George Floyd Square. They report more than a dozen gunshots rang out during a live national news broadcast from George Floyd Square Tuesday after a shooting nearby. Alex Presha, a reporter with ABC News, was speaking live to an anchor from the site at 38th and Chicago on the one-year anniversary of Floyd's killing by a then-Minneapolis police officer. In the middle of a sentence, the audio captures loud bangs that sound like gunshots and a voice yelling, go, 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 down, 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 as more shots ring out. And here's, they mention there's another video from a journalist, Philip Crowther, which I have in a second, an international affiliate reporter from the AP. It shows a dark SUV drive through the intersection, normally closed to traffic, heading south on Chicago Avenue. Presha tweeted minutes later that they, can, they counted more than a dozen shots. Some reports are saying, uh, so as a side, 30 or more shots and rushed behind a row of cars for cover. He and Crowther citing their own counting and others on the scene noted at least a dozen gunshots, possibly more than twice that one window was reported broken. Minneapolis police in a brief update said gunshots were reported at 10.09 a.m. on the 3800 block of Elliott Avenue South. That's one block east of George Floyd Square. A suspect vehicle was then a suspect vehicle was then seen fleeing the area at a high rate of speed. Shortly after someone arrived at Abbott Northwestern Hospital with a gunshot wound, they were transported to Hennepin County Medical Center and authorities don't believe the wound is life threatening. More information is expected to be released later. An outdoor festival is planned Tuesday at George Floyd Square, starting at 1 p.m., featuring food and live music. A candlelight vigil is then set for 8 p.m. I mean, this is serious stuff. CNN has picked up the reporting reports of gunshots near George Floyd Square on the anniversary of his death. There have been many protests throughout this country. We have seen much. Uh, we have seen many George Floyd protests in, in a variety of cities. But I think we need to be serious and, 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 and be real about what's going on, because when you look at this reporting, this is what struck me as frightening and odd. They mentioned an outdoor festival. They refer to this as George Floyd Square. This is not George Floyd Square. This is a no-go area. The, the Capitol Hill autonomous zone that many of us made fun of and mocked was still a no-go area. Regular people are at great risk entering these places, are bar or, or in some cases barred entry to these places. And we cannot use the language of the political extremists. Now, perhaps this is the fault of the media. Perhaps this is the fault of myself and many others. But we have no problem referring to certain areas as no-go areas in other countries. But in the U.S., we use the language of the terrorists. Let me just stress, in the Chaz, there were, there, was a, there, were, there were young people shot and killed in a volley of rapid gunfire. 
We need to talk about the reality of this. In a tweet from Philip Crowther, he says, here's the moment shots were fired near George Floyd Square, the no-go area earlier this morning. Now, you can't really see anything in the video other than Crowther react and then duck. But I do want to point at a few things. With all due respect to Philip for, you know, for, for reporting there, he's reporting for APGMS. This is, uh, I believe it's the Associated Press for out of Luxembourg. I, I respect him for being there and for doing this job. But when you see these shots ring out in this video, he just stands there. There are locals dropping to the ground and crawling for cover to hide. And there are people seen just standing. These people have no business being in this area. This is a dangerous no-go zone. I am not going to, to, to play political games and, and speak the way they want things to be spoken. I'm sorry. These activists are trying to control the narrative. This is, this is, we need to talk about this. A no-go area or no-go zone, according to Wikipedia, is a neighborhood or other geographic area where some or all outsiders either are physically prevented from entering or can enter only at risk. The term includes exclusion zones, which are areas that are officially kept off limits by the government, such as border zones and military exclusion zones. It also includes areas held by violent non-state actors, such as paramilitary, organized crime and terrorist organizations. In some cases, these areas have been held by insurgent organizations attempting to topple government. They say in the 21st century, the term has most often been used to refer to areas that police or medical workers consider too dangerous to enter without heavy backup. Government officials and journalists from various European countries, including France and Germany, have used the term to describe neighborhoods within their own country. This usage of the term is controversial generating significant debate over which areas, if any, are truly off limits to police. Some journalists and politicians have further claimed that Europe and or the United States contain areas where national law has been displaced by Sharia and non-Muslims are shunned. These assertions have been refuted. Well, I'm certainly not talking about areas having to do with Sharia law. I'm talking about areas where you can't actually go in if you don't agree with these political factions and where the police do not enter. Let's break it down. From News Nation Now, NewsGuard certified news source that is a 95 out of 100 credibility says News Nation correspondent confronted, threatened outside George Floyd, quote, autonomous zone. Call it what it is, a no go zone. They won't let journalists in. They have already attacked, according to one reporter, people. I believe I actually may have the tweet. I'm not sure. Here we go. Philip Crowther reporting George Floyd Square very quiet. But a fellow reporter just had her phone smashed because she took photos of a storefront hit by a bullet. Now, in this story from March 11th, 2021, they say the trial of former Minneapolis police officer Chauvin comes at a time when much of Minneapolis is on edge. It's been called George Floyd Square, a memorial site in South Minneapolis that was created at the corner where George Floyd died. The city eventually replaced, they say community members set up makeshift barricades to block traffic. The city eventually replaced them with concrete barriers. While they have pledged to reopen the intersection following the trial, some activists have taken over the square, declaring it an autonomous zone. It has also been a hotbed for violent crime in recent months, and activists aren't letting police inside. So let me reiterate this for you. 
Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. Police can't go in. Just like we saw in Seattle, reporters are threatened and physically attacked. No go zone. This is one of the biggest problems we face in this country. Republicans, moderates, disaffected liberals are still reticent to use the language that needs to be used and defer to the language of the extremists. They call it an autonomous zone because they want you to think of it like just a small square where there's where they're in control. And that's it. Whereas no go areas have a more serious and dangerous connotation to them. No go areas have typically referred to wartime locations. But we need to be serious about what this is. 30 or so gunshots reported going out. Someone someone being brought to the hospital. And we've already seen the op-ed published in the Star Tribune in Minneapolis from locals who say that they need police, that people are on their roofs with guns, that people are shooting up buildings in this area, that cars are being stolen. This, my friends, is a no-go zone. In the story, they say earlier this week on News Nation, uh, on News Nation, correspondent Brian Enton went to the outskirts of George Floyd Square, where he was confronted and threatened by two people inside the zone. It's a video that has since gone viral. Now, I want to show you a, a, an analysis from Ground News, where they say, by, what, what Ground News does, they're showing us how many left-wing, right-wing, and centrist outlets reported this? What's the proportion? You can clearly see that only right-wing outlets are reporting this. However, the right still refers to these areas using the left's language, ceding that ground to them. Do not do it. These are no-go zones. Quote, we tried respectfully to get video, but left after two people confronted us near the barricades. Later learned many protesters don't even feel comfortable there. The residents and activists who serve as unofficial leaders and organizers of George Floyd Square say they won't step aside unless the city meets their list of 24 demands. Among them, recall the county prosecutor, fire the head of the state's criminal investigative agency, and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on programs to create jobs, combat racism, and support affordable housing. This is diversity, inclusivity, equity, cult demands. They come in, they use violence, they shut out the police. And then eventually the police in the cities cave to their demands. We've already seen changes affecting Brooklyn Center, which is a neighborhood suburb north of Minneapolis, basically a part of Minneapolis. It's in the major metro. And they've announced major reforms. They're even going to create unarmed civilian traffic enforcement. They'll be powerless. This is what terrorism looks like. A no-go area where police aren't allowed inside. They're scared to enter. They're terrified. The cops are just absolutely terrified. They're scared. You know, these activists have them worried. The crime has them worried. They won't do it 
Many cops have quit. Good for them for doing so instead of serving a corrupt political institution. But the politicians in this city, the city council, they want this, they support it, and it will only get worse. They say since the city asserted it would reopen the square after Chauvin's trial, the caretakers of the space have declined to talk in detail about negotiations to reopen it. Janelle Austin, a racial justice leadership coach and lead caretaker of the memorial area, said the demands that fall within the city's control aren't unreasonable. However, we can now see that we're way out from the trial of Chauvin and they still have not relinquished control. It still remains extremely violent. Let's talk about, again, another point about no-go zones. They say, Areas that police or medical workers consider too dangerous to enter. It goes beyond George Floyd Square. You may have seen the story from May 10th. Mother of teen killed in Seattle's autonomous protest zone, Sioux City. I take issue with this. A protest is a demand for change. A protest is people speaking up. But armed individuals patrolling your streets and shutting down certain areas of your city is not a protest. It's not an autonomous zone. It is a violent terroristic takeover and the creation of a no-go zone. For those that missed the story, The Hill reports, Danita Sinclair, the mother of Horace Lorenzo Anderson, has filed a federal civil rights lawsuit alleging that the city enabled last summer's CHOP, which led to the death of her 19-year-old son. On June 20th, Anderson was visiting CHOP, the no-go zone, this, and The Hill says the self-declared autonomous zone in which police in which the police cleared the department's east precinct and surrounding areas, according to the Seattle Times, when he ran into another teen identified as Marcel Long, shown on surveillance video and described by witnesses. A scuffle ensued with others pulling the young men apart. Long allegedly then pulled a handgun and shot Anderson several times. Anderson graduated just a day prior to his death from an alternative youth program. On June 8th, the police department withdrew their forces and left behind an east, left behind an east precinct on Capitol Hill District. Sinclair alleges in the lawsuit that by allowing police to abandon the area, city officials were negligent and created a situation that led to her son's death. There's also other lawsuits, I believe, in which a young man was killed in a drive-by. People were trying to render aid to this individual, but the police could not get in. Paramedics could not get in. These are terroristic no-go zones. Mayor Jenny Durgan called the protests a summer of love and a block party last year. Comments that have sim- since come back to bite her. Durkin eventually ended the chop zone with an executive order in July. Up to that point, the protesters successfully seized an approximate six block area and created an autonomous police free zone for several days. The mayor tolerated the behavior while shootings were taking place at chop and some of the protesters decided to protest at her private home. That was kind of the last straw for her. When the, when the Black Lives Matter protesters showed up to her house, that's when the mayor decided that she would shut down this no-go area using police force. Interestingly, it seems like the deaths of these individuals at this uh, no-go area didn't matter to her. And we can see the ramifications of Black Lives Matter. Now, I did cover this recently, but I think the context here is important. The Wall Street Journal reported on the anniversary of George Floyd's killing. Debate about race reaches across American life. They mention in this story that crime is skyrocketing, but it's it's skyrocketing in areas that are predominantly black and Latino. So I think it's fair to say it's clear. Black Lives Matter protests have only caused more problems. Antifa riots have only caused more problems. We've all seen it. We see it getting worse. And now we quite literally have 
a live news report. When people are calling for a moment of silence, gunshots ring out. These people have only made things substantially worse. Protests have been erupting, of course. This story from PIX11, BLM activists, mayoral candidate Donovan arrested at George Floyd protest near Holland Tunnel. They say several activists and mayoral candidate Sean Donovan were arrested Tuesday morning during a small demonstration in lower Manhattan, marking the anniversary of George Floyd's death. Police placed the activists in plastic zip ties after announcing a warning over the loudspeaker that they would be arrested if they continued to block traffic. This is what I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see. This is what is supposed to happen. These activists held up signs demanding justice for George Floyd. To be honest, I'm quite confused by this because the man got his justice. The police are facing federal civil rights uh, uh, charges and Chauvin has been convicted, but they're going to keep protesting because they will never be satisfied. But at the very least, it was a small, peaceful protest. They blocked a road and they got arrested for it. That's what it should be. In the no-go areas, what we get are barricades being set up where armed individuals shoot people. They say a total of five people, one woman and four men were arrested. Police said they were issued summonses for disorderly conduct for blocking traffic to the Holland Tunnel. Javona Newsom spoke with PIX11 Morning News and said she was headed to the protest and reflected on the year since Floyd's death. They say the demonstration started around 9.30 a.m. at Canal and West Streets. Donovan and Newsom were joined by Reverend Kevin McCall, attorney Stanford Rubenstein, and several other civil rights activists. The group marched a short distance, then knelt on the ground in the middle of the street for nine minutes and 29 seconds. The length of time, we, we understand this, Chauvin was convicted in April of second degree unintentional murder. Now, we, we know this is a problem. And if you've been following my channels, uh, you know this is a serious issue. Surprisingly, on May 22nd, former CIA director John Brennan warns about left-wing rhetoric and Antifa. I don't think it's enough, but it's good to see that at least some establishment players are calling this out. Now, I certainly don't trust John Brennan, but the Washington Examiner reports, former CIA director John Brennan said he is concerned about the rhetoric coming from some left-wing members of Congress as he warned about Antifa's vigilantism. Juliet Kayem, a professor at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government and a former assistant secretary at the Department of Homeland Security, broached the topic of left-wing radicalization in a conversation on Tuesday with the longtime intelligence officer. With the discussion, moderator seeking a sense of balance, as she noted, there appears to be a great deal of focus by the FBI on right-wing extremism. In response, Brennan acknowledged people who fall under a broad rubric of Antifa while saying politicians should choose their words more carefully, lest they be used by political foes to widen a partisan divide in the United States. Quote, I am concerned about some of this rhetoric that's coming from the left, Brennan said. Again, I think ideologues on both ends of the political spectrum are dangerous, and there are individuals on the left who are engaging in vigilantism themselves that fall under this broad rubric of Antifa, anti-fascist elements. But I do think that ideologues are just blind to reality, and they do not look for ways to allow people from across the political spectrum to live peacefully together. Once again, I can show you the problem with, with the bias track showing 67% of, 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 out of three outlets that reported on this, two of them were conservative. One was leftist. No mainstream outlets talked about Brennan's comments, which means Brennan and many others are getting their information filtered through a biased mainstream media. If you follow only CNN or the New York Times, you are not getting this 
news. Not even the quotes from the man himself filter back to him in his own, in his own news. As far as he knows, nobody, probably nobody covered this. And therein lies the problem. When he comes out and says, well, look, there are some leftists that are bad. If you actually watched all the news and dug through the bias to find real outlets to figure out what's going on, you would know that Black Lives Matter and Antifa are shooting people, are killing people, are burning down buildings. Of course, you have extremists on the far right. Of course, they're dangerous. Good. The government and law enforcement are going after them. But you are not getting reality from the mainstream media. And John Brennan can speak out against this, but is it really enough? Now, I'll tell you what's remarkable. Even amid all of this, we can see that net support for Black Lives Matter as of the 22nd is at 7%. That's remarkable. Only 7%. That's net support. That's not the majority. That's of all opposition and support. It is only a slight advantage. Now, the reason it's significant is that in the beginning of January, January 2020, it was 10%. That's right. Support for Black Lives Matter has gone down. After George Floyd killed, it was killed, uh, was killed, it spiked, hitting around 24%. But because of the riots, it dropped. After Jacob Blake was shot, it still dropped. And from a high of last year, after George Floyd's death of 24% net support, it has fallen to 7%. The crime and violence from these no-go zones, from these political extremists that don't care about the youth, don't care about gun violence, people are seeing it. Not enough people are seeing it. So we need to start talking about this reasonably and honestly. We need to make sure that the people who are opposed to the extremism don't use the language of the extremists. Imagine if conservatives went around talking about the degree of white privilege. No, they reject those ideas. Then don't call it an autonomous zone. Call it a no-go zone. The cops can't go in. People are being killed and you face great personal risk like we saw with that journalist. If you go there, people have been beaten and and, and attacked in these no go zones. That's what they are. Autonomous zone is the choice of words, words used by the left because they know the negative connotations when you say no go zone, which is why it's so controversial to claim they are no go zones because the media will claim you're lying or it's not true or they will use the most extreme interpretation. They'll say there's are- there's areas where the police cannot go, literally cannot go. Well, of course, the cops, if they wanted to, they could walk into George Floyd Square, but they don't because it's dangerous. We know that the police and the paramedics would not go into the Seattle Capitol Hill no no go zone and people died because of it. Now, there's one lawsuit where they're saying that because the cops wouldn't go in and they were outside, that was negligence. They couldn't go in. It was a it was a, a, an autonomous zone. They couldn't get in. It was too dangerous. No, it's a no go area. That's why they couldn't get in. And then we have this other story where they say the cops abandoned the precinct. No go zone. Of course, what you're going to hear from the White House will always be deflection. In this story from the New York Post, Jen Psaki says the U.S. has a gun problem, not a crime problem. Well, we learned that in many of these cities, that crime is skyrocketing in minority neighborhoods. That's Black Lives Matter's legacy. That's the no-go zones. Guns have been around, very powerful ones, much longer than there has been this escalation in gun violence. I didn't see the White House or Jen Psaki come out and say there's no more gun problem when gun violence was going down. I mean, think about it. Over the past decade or so, gun violence has been on the decline. 
major violent crime has been on the decline. They didn't say it's not a, it's not a crime problem. It's that gun problems are going away. No, in fact, they said the problem was still guns. And now that because of their failed policies and because of the election of many progressive district attorneys, you are getting more and more violence. They're saying it's the gun's fault. I find that truly remarkable. I have left to say to me that I, I, I will never accept that guns are the, the, the fault for all of this. There's what, 400 million guns? I walk around an area where there's guns everywhere. <laughs> Not getting shot. Nobody's getting shot. I walk around. I don't blame uh, cars. I don't say when someone gets into an accident, it's the car's fault. I recognize the car contributed to car accidents. If there were no cars, people couldn't get hit by them. I know. They say, but, but weapons are specifically designed for conflict, for war, to inflict pain or problems. Regardless of that, I understand. Regular people aren't just trying to hurt random people. But there still is, in George Floyd's square, no-go zone, people trying to hurt others. It happens in these places because they've removed the police. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S.? With more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S., they have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. The New York Post says White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told reporters Monday that the state spate of shootings over the weekend is a gun problem, but that the president is implementing funding for community violence prevention programs to address rising crime. That is the appropriate way to go about doing it. You should not be uh, you, you shouldn't be blaming guns and banning guns. But I, I do, I do want to I just noticed I did make a mistake. I had the Wall Street Journal uh, um, stories mixed up. This is a story from the Wall Street Journal. Murders are rising the most in a few isolated precincts of major cities. This is a story about violent crime in minority neighborhoods. I accidentally showed the the uh, anniversary of the George Floyd protests, which is talking about people protesting. So anyway, I digress. I mixed them up. I just had the Wall Street Journal links, you know, well, I guess to clarify, I will, re will read this opening paragraph. The Wall Street Journal reported that a murder wave in U.S. cities that started last year has been concentrated in relatively few poor neighborhoods, typically black and Hispanic, with persistent histories of violence. And I think it's important that I point out that story, too, as I'm reading about Jen Psaki blaming guns for their failed policies, because this is only happening or is mostly happening in minority neighborhoods, which clearly shows there is not a correlation between guns and the violence, because in other areas, wealthier areas, you're not seeing this. But I assure you, rich people have lots of guns. When asked during her daily briefing whether there is a crime problem in this country, Saki answered, I would say certainly there is a gun problem. And that's something the president would say. And there are communities where local violence, community violence is an issue. That's one of the reasons that we have proposed and are now implementing funding for community violence prevention programs across the country. 
find it interesting. Uh, is that a racist statement, Jen? Which community, communities are you referring to? Because we can see Wall Street Journal's reporting. We can see the hard numbers. Are you blaming the minorities for the crime in their own neighborhood? It would seem so. And she's blaming guns as well. I will say, Saki added, that we don't often highlight the fact between, that between mass shootings that get a lot of attention, that we lower the flags for. There are hundreds, thousands of people who lose their lives. And that's one of the reasons the president will continue to advocate for the Senate passing universal background checks, but also advocate for actions in states where we have seen the greatest level of activism over the past several years. According to CNN, there were 12 mass shootings across America. So I I don't want to turn this into a video on, on shootings. I just want to point out, we have the White House blaming guns. It's an easy scapegoat. We see them also blaming, uh, they say climate change is the cause of immigration, not their own policies. I'm sorry. It is, it, it is your policies that are doing this. When you allow people to set up no-go zones in Minneapolis, you will get lawlessness. How many more examples do people need? Minority communities suffer with gun violence because the police are being defunded, removed, and because criminals are being released by these DAs. In Chaz, how many people died? Four or so people died in the Chaz. In one instance, it was the security guards of the no-go zone shooting and killing two young men in an SUV because they, were th- they thought they were white supremacists because they had gone insane. So long as the Democrats allow the formation of no-go zones, it will keep happening. But you know what? As long as people can learn about this and you share stories like this, perhaps support for Black Lives Matter and these extremists will continue to fall. But if people just watch the mainstream news, they won't know this is happening. You guys, you need to inform people. You need to share the stuff. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Facebook whistleblowers have leaked documents to Project Veritas about Facebook's plan to secretly censor vaccine concerns on a global scale. This may be one of the most important and biggest stories Veritas has ever done. And it's probably just because the escalation and censorship is getting to a very extreme degree. When Facebook says we're going to ban hate speech, it's against our policies. There's an actual argument there. I think it's I think it's one I don't agree with. But the argument is people are posting hate-filled nonsense, which makes these platforms awful to use. And certain people should have the ability to go on these platforms without being insulted or smeared or slammed or harassed or whatever you want to argue. I think they're bad arguments. But there's something there. It's not free speech. It's a private corporation. Okay, I disagree. I think private corporations, you know, when they become too large, should be regulated to a certain degree. There's an argument. Facebook wants to ban vaccine concerns. Now, now hold on. I'll tell you why this is one of the most important stories. We know Facebook says we're going to ban anti-vax content. We're going to flag things that are fake news. We know Twitter. We know YouTube will do all of that as well. So this story about Facebook goes one step beyond what we're learning from this information. Let me start by saying, and forgive me for the suspense, but I have to say this because you know YouTube would, would love to ban me in two seconds. You got to talk to your doctor. You shouldn't be getting your medical advice from your neighbor, Dolores or whatever, from Joe Rogan, from Dr. Fauci. Fauci is just a TV guy who flip flops. Joe Rogan is a comedian and your neighbor doesn't have a medical degree. I've had a lot of people say, Tim, don't shill for vaccines or whatever. And I'm like, dude, if you don't trust your doctor, I don't know what to tell you. 
Okay, if the fire if if the fire investigator comes and says here's what started the fire, I just say okay because they're the expert and I have to trust them. Now I don't trust TV people, and you shouldn't blindly just take everything I say for fact either. So you go to your doctor and say here's my concern, here's what I've heard. The doctor will then say you know here's what I think is best for you. So you know YouTube wants to tell you what you got or got what you can or cannot say. I'm I'm, I'm here to say I, I'm not going to give anybody medical advice. If you don't trust your doctor, get a second opinion. But if you can't trust a doctor, then you're in really bad shape. It's the best we can do, okay? It, it really is. Look, doctors in the past used to give people, make them drink mercury or whatever. And we know that was bad. We know that we're constantly learning, but your best bet, talking to your doctor. This is where things get creepy. Now, I've, I've advocated to an extreme degree of just like getting sound medical advice on your own with your doctor because it makes the most sense. Dr. Fauci is an idiot. And Joe Rogan is a comedian who calls himself an idiot. Okay, I I think they're both to a certain degree smart, but don't get your medical advice from a comedian. Here's the problem. How will you know what to tell your doctor when Facebook is censoring true information? No joke. True events or facts. This is what makes this story the most shocking Facebook has moved beyond flagging false information. Facebook now says they are going to censor true information. And there it is. They have graduated from, as, as we, as, as, as predicted, just censoring what they said was fake news. We're like, BS. First of all, that's not fake news. You're lying. The mainstream media is lying. How long until Facebook comes out and Zuckerberg with his robot smile goes, we're going to ban it even if it's true, because it goes against what we want. And what they want is to beat you over the head and force you to do things without consent. Informed consent, in my opinion, is a must for any medical procedure. So when I see these people outside like a 7-Eleven or whatever, and they're doing vaccines, I'm like, bro, my advice is you go to a professional, you go to your doctor, and you 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 talk to them to get your vaccine or whatever you want to do. I will also add mRNA technology as described. It's actually pretty awesome. You, you if you have an issue with something, I think everyone, every individual has a right to agree or disagree and make what's make the choices that's best for them with sound medical advice. Facebook is denying your consent. There's a bunch of videos going around of like magnets on arms. And I'm, I'm just, dude, it is really annoying. There's a really funny picture where a guy stuck a pot to his arm because you can. <laughs> and he was like, look, look, it's working. Whatever, man. You don't need to get your information from viral videos on the internet. Let me just stress, if there was any like widespread craziness happening, don't you think your doctor would be getting inundated with phone calls? Do you think your doctor is lying to you? No, no, I, I genuinely think about it. Let's say you live in an area with, you know, 10,000 people. So how many people are going to that doctor? Probably a lot. If there were very serious issues, don't you think people would be going back to the doctor saying I'm having some side effect or some complication? Then when you talk to your doctor, do you think they would withhold that from you? I really don't think so. So make the decisions the best for you. Here's where it gets creepy. Veritas says, Facebook whistleblowers exposed leaked internal documents detailing new effort to secretly censor vaccine concerns on a global scale. They go on to say, two Facebook insiders have come forward to Project Veritas with leaked internal documents showing big tech's plan, Facebook, to police vaccine 
hesitancy through surreptitious comment demotion. The company has set up a tier system to rank comments on various scales based on how much the statement questions or cautions against the vaccine. Tier two, for instance, represents indirect discouragement of getting vaccinated. And according to PV sources, user comments such as these would be heavily suppressed. It doesn't matter if the comments are true, factual, or represent reality. The comment is demoted, buried, and hidden from view of the public if it clashes with the system. It doesn't match the narrative, one insider explained. The narrative being, get the vaccine, the vaccine is good for you. Everyone should get it, and if you don't, you will be singled out. I have a lot of friends. I have thousands of friends. I have seen a few stories that have freaked me out, but I have seen two stories from people I know personally, and one who was, is a good friend who had nerve damage after getting the vaccine. Uh, I, I can't tell you what's right for you, and I can't tell you that the one post I saw is indicative of anything other than side effects exist, which is why I'm just like, I'm not going to play any of these games. You know, I'm not going to play any games where I tell you what to do. That's stupid. You know, that's why I just keep saying over and over and over again, leave me out of it. You got to talk to your doctor. Here's the issue. I had a friend who, who got hurt. Um, I would like to go to the doctor when I'm talking about the vaccine and ask them about this. If Facebook is suppressing true and factual information, you won't know what to ask about. So how can you give informed consent? Therein lies the big problem. One of the insiders, a data center technician, leaked multiple internal documents detailing an algorithm test being run on 1.5% of Facebook and Instagram's nearly 3.8 billion users worldwide. The goal? To drastically reduce user exposure to vaccine hesitancy in comments. They're trying to control this content before it even makes it onto your page, before you even see it. The authors of the plan are credited as Ju Ho Yo, Nick Gibeon, Hendrick Townley, Amit Ball, and Matt Gillies. And so we have this, this document here from Veritas. I'm not going to read through all of it, but they say executive summary. What is your goal? Drastically reduce user exposure to vaccine hesitancy in comments. Why? Why would they do this? These are the look, I understand that there is a real concern about a pandemic. I understand that we've developed a new vaccine technology and many people are going and getting it. And Facebook wants to make sure that everyone stays safe, right? My bigger concern is what happens when, for one, like I mentioned, no informed consent because you don't, you aren't getting access to information from your own friends and family. But what happens when they start, what's the, what's the next step on this? Facebook saying suppress Pepsi so you can only see Coke? Yes. Facebook knows when you poop. I think it's funny. You think I'm joking. They do. They go on to say, what are the benefits of this launch? V VPVs on vaccine post English comments. I don't know what that means. Wow. Projected launch impact. And there's a bunch of numbers and whatever that is. What is VPV? I don't know. So they say, let me just read through it. The goal of the framework is to identify and tier the categories of content that could discourage vaccination in certain contexts. Borderline vaccine framework goal. We aim to identify and tier the categories of non-violating content that could discourage vaccination in certain contexts, thereby contributing to vaccine hesitancy or refusal. We have tiered these potential harm, these by potential harm, and how much context is required in order to evaluate harm. They say in Facebook Inc.'s COVID-19 vaccine offense and defense work, the goal is to understand how using the family of apps contributes to or detracts from vaccine uptake. The COVID-19 health behavior change framework illustrates how two types of drivers, drivers of intent and drivers of action, both contribute ultimately to vaccine behavior. Let me just slow down for a second. 
we, we can put the vaccine stuff aside. Facebook is outright social engineering, period. This is mass social engineering. Facebook is deciding what is best for you and what you are allowed to see, think, or say. We're here, man. Welcome to the brave new world. Welcome to the nightmare dystopia. I can understand uh, you want to have a conversation about vaccines and why they're important. I can understand why you want people to get vaccinated. But this is Facebook saying, we know what's better for you. You shouldn't see comments from your own friends who are talking about this. They are trying to control public perception. Facebook is. Nobody elected them. Nobody's given them this, this right to do it. I went on the Play Store on Google and I gave them a one rating because the app's terrible. There's no customer support. Things don't work. The rules are vague. And then I see five-star reviews for Facebook. And I'm like, who's going on the Play Store or the App Store and giving Facebook five stars? That's insane to me. They go on to say, Facebook also established a vaccine hesitancy scoring system to establish numerical thresholds for certain content. The company instituted tiers to describe the tone of certain posts, with some being categorized as sensational and alarmist or criticizing choice. The responses range from outright removal to comment demotions. Criticizing choice, really, really interesting. I think people should just make the choice for what's best for them. I'm not going to tell you what you can or can't do. Here's the vaccine policy. Remove at scale, violating COVID vaccine, MNH and WDH, RFH. I don't know what those things mean. They go on to say, inform on all COVID vaccine content. So this is B2V inform, personal objection, skepticism, neutral discussions and debate. And we've seen this. So when my friend posted that he had an injury, there was a thing saying, get all the facts about COVID. And I'm like, so they just flagged it. I mean, that, that to me is crazy. I suppose in this modern world, you will get a lot of fringe information at the forefront, notably police brutality. It's a good example of this. I talk about it quite a bit. You might have 375 million police interactions and 29 unarmed you know, black men being killed. But the only thing Facebook will show you is those 29 people. So it seems to most people like something crazy is happening when in reality, it is just a tiny minority. That could be true with a lot of the vaccine stuff. They say another document from the aforementioned Hendrick Townley discusses more data points following the experiment with demoting VH comments. One part of the document admits to demoting comments and reducing the rate of likes while conducting a test of 1.5% of the company's audience. Reducing the rate of likes. Think about that. Other posts discussing the unique double dose of certain vaccines were described as objective high and outlined a position change. Descriptions of the type of content that falls into tier 0, 1, and tier 2. Here's a, here's a list here showing it. They say indirect discouragement is tier 2. Alarmism and criticism is tier 1. And then they say violations of policies coordinating harm. That's interference and explicit discouragement. Calls to action advocating or promoting others not to get the vaccine. That's really interesting. In tier one, which is alarmism, they say criticizing choice to re receive or provide, disparaging others on the basis of their choice to vaccinate or on their choice to vaccinate others. Exaggerated conclusions, denialism, content about vaccines and vaccination that suggests or implies that vaccines are unsafe, ineffective, sacrilegious or irrelevant sacrilegious. That's really interesting. Facebook can now determine what is religious or not. Imagine you're a rabbi or a priest or an imam or a monk, whatever, and you're telling people here's what scripture says. Facebook decides you're not allowed to preach your own faith. That's great, isn't it? 
Regulate these companies, please. Indirect discouragement is shocking, possibly true. Or unproven severe side effects or death. <laughs> possibly true. Wow. An enforcement document obtained by one of the insiders showed Facebook's goal of reducing the distribution of comments seemingly skeptical of COVID vaccination. Facebook document details how many languages their VAC safety policy will be able to detect for suppression. Facebook's vaccine hesitancy project leaders listed in company chain of command reporting directly to Mark Zuckerberg. So this is a bunch of executives and directors. Facebook's Ben Freeman sends internal messages to colleagues informing them of data gathering and action to be taken regarding COVID-19 vaccines. They go on to mention who are the people working behind the project, the tiering system. They say the content demotion explained. We saw this already. The various data analyzed by Facebook. There's a lot in here. It's very straightforward. They go on to just, you know, Veritas ends by outlining a lot of this, mentioning Facebook describes what it classifies as shocking stories in regard to vaccines. Shocking stories, potentially or potentially or actually true events or facts that can raise safety concerns indicated by sharing the following either without context or with hyperbolic terms. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Here's the problem I have with this. If something true is happening, shouldn't this be reported? But if Facebook is suppressing it, people won't know about it. Something true. What if someone was like, I saw a crazed man with a knife outside of someone's house and Facebook's like, well, it may be true, but remove it because it's scary. And then that person quits crime. Content pointing to the vaccine adverse events reporting system that suggests extreme risk without providing full context. What's full context to find that? Content that pairs a shocking story with vague statements such as look at what happened after she got vaccinated. (laughs) Content describing individual personal stories of extreme safety risks or health harms after vaccination that may undermine or discourage vaccination. Excruciating pain after my second vaccine. Shaking so bad almost to convulsions. What? They're removing people just explaining what happened? I must be lucky that I saw my friend's post. Content citing news articles about individuals. Also, is it's it's really weird that they're mentioning that excruciating pain after second vaccine, shaking so bad almost to convulsions. What, what, hold on, is that happening enough to where they had to flag that and have those removed? That's creepy. Facebook should not be doing this. This is actually going to discourage more people. That's the problem. Talk to your doctor. Content citing news articles about individuals experiencing adverse uh, events after receiving a vaccine. Facebook is literally suppressing the news. I hope you've been paying attention to this stuff.
Content referencing expected mild side effects would be labeled as neutral, not shocking, such as redness, swelling, blah, blah, blah. Here's from the Daily Mail. I covered this yesterday on my main channel. Liberal media's dramatic flip-flop. A year after left-wing news thrashed, trashed theory that COVID originated from a Wuhan lab, when Trump supported the suggestion, outlets now throw their support behind the idea. This is the problem. Let's say there's a news story that says this is true. Facebook has determined we will suppress this. Suppressing legitimate news, not fake news, true news being suppressed by Facebook because they have an, an agenda, a social agenda. We, we, I don't know what to say. Republicans won't do anything. You know, Democrats are parasites. They extract from the system and the Republicans are paid to watch them do it. That's what's happening right now. Facebook can do whatever it wants. No one's going to do anything about it. The whistleblowers, it's great news, but this is what we get. You get a massive unaccountable corporation censoring true news, not fake news, true news. We're here. What's the next thing? Stories that are negative about Facebook and Facebook says it could undermine the integrity of their operations and keeping people safe. So we must remove that story about Mark Zuckerberg punching chickens. He went, he, Mark Zuckerberg went to a farm and started punching goats in the face. And then Facebook says, we got to ban all that information. Yep. This is where we're headed. You may not want a President Zuckerberg, but you've already got one. Yeah, Biden maybe can do so much because he's constrained, but these massive private organizations can do whatever they want. Nothing is stopping them. Mark Zuckerberg only has to worry about how hard he can push without destabilizing the system. He doesn't have to worry about any opposition. Oh, I mean, Ted Cruz might yell at the guy as if that does anything, as if that matters. The federal government is too weak, and it's probably because Facebook controls the flow of information. We know big tech censored news about Hunter Biden. We've seen the polls that suggest if the story was out there, people would not, 6%, I believe, would not have voted for Biden. Would have been a very different election. So big tech is manipulating our politics. They're manipulating the news and information we can get. Welcome to your new big tech corporate overlords. Democrats aren't doing anything to fight about it because they're just doing literally what the big tech allows them. I, I posted this on Twitter. Bill Burr going, I don't know anything about, you know, this. I just turn the TV on once every two weeks and I do it. The TV tells me and I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's funny. It's funny that he's like, I'm not going to sit here without a medical degree, you know, from the Joe Rogan podcast. Listen to you talk about this with a medical degree. That's a good point. That's the point I make. But then he goes, I'm just going to turn on the TV once every two weeks. Are, dude, are you are you serious? Bro, call a doctor. I, talk, I turn the TV on and do what the TV tells me to do. That's right. That's Bill Burr. He's supposed to be a smart guy. Now, nah, he just does what the TV tells him to do. Most people just do what the Facebook tells them to do. Mark Zuckerberg is literally taking over the world. And uh, nobody cares. I mean, I guess people care, but they ain't going to do anything about it. I don't know if they can at this point, unless there was a mass uprising and, you know, people taking to the streets protesting against Facebook, which I really doubt will happen. Democrats won't stop Facebook. They want more censorship. They want to give Facebook more control. And Republicans just sit there wagging their finger at Facebook and doing nothing. So what do we get? Well, maybe it's all time we just welcome our new Mark Zuckerberg overlord and just bow before his grandeur and, and do as, 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 uh, as he, he, he dictates, because he can just make Facebook ban whatever he wants at this point, even if it's real news. And that's it. 
And Veritas, the ones who expose this, are the ones accused of being the fake news. Isn't it amazing? Good luck sharing this video on Facebook. No joke. I wouldn't be surprised if, if YouTube even takes this video down. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I'll see you then. The FBI is investigating a death threat and white powder sent to the home of Rand Paul, where they, they, they said, I'll finish what your neighbor started. This rhetoric is an escalation of the rhetoric we've seen from many Democrat personalities calling for the death or praising violence against Rand Paul, because on the, the left, the cultural, the establishment left, the overarching political faction, which includes leftists, liberals, whatever, they endorse violence, they engage in violence, they're protected when they do. On the right, you can't say that, you can't even get close to saying it. A good example is when I went on the Joe Rogan podcast and brought up that Antifa was threatening death and violence and organizing violence, and Twitter doesn't remove these posts. Now, often on the Timcast IRL podcast, we will jokingly mention how we hate every single politician, and I'll do jokingly with a bit of air quotes because uh, for the most part, we're actually kind of serious. We, we do hate most politicians. And we're always like, Rand Paul's cool. Like one, I was like, I have a solution to our political problems. We just, we get Elon Musk's starship. We take all of Congress and put him on it and send it to Mars. Except Rand Paul, he can stay. Because Rand's pretty awesome. He tries to be a uh, reasonable voice. I think Rand tries to actually, in some instances, work with leftists on certain causes, notably the Breonna, the, the Breonna Taylor bill. He wanted to ban no-knock warrants because I think Rand is honest and, and sincere, far from perfect. But he's challenged the establishment in many ways, in many ways, takes after his dad. Ron Paul, also a big fan. I don't completely agree with, with, with the Pauls on their political views, but I view them as fairly honest. And I also think about, you know, how Bernie Sanders used to be kind of like that. And, it, and then he just caved. But anyway, I, I, I digress. The left view about Rand Paul is that he is evil. He is bad. He's an evil Republican. And so we've seen over and over again, these Democrat personalities praise death and violence against him. Let's read this story and we'll talk about where this all brings us. I'll finish what your neighbor started, you mother effer. FBI probe Rand Paul death threat after white powder and notice sent to his Kentucky home one day after singer Richard Marks tweeted praise for Senator's 2017 attacker. How about that? They say the package which arrived at Paul's home also contained a doctored image of the Republican who is seen heavily bandaged and walking with the aid of a crutch as a rifle appears aimed at his head. Why? What has Rand Paul ever done? He's certainly not like most of these politicians. I'll finish what your neighbor started, you, you MFR. The message on the package reads, news of the threat was first reported by Fox News. The photoshopped image attached to the package was doctored from a photo illustration of Paul that was created by GQ magazine as part of a 2017 feature story on the assault that left the Republican senator badly injured. Rand Paul said, I take these threats immensely seriously. As a repeated target of violence, it is reprehensible that Twitter allows C-list celebrities to encourage violence against me and my family. Here we have a photo of Rene Boucher, 60, who in November 2017, while he was moving his moving, uh, I'm sorry, mowing his lawn outside, 
uh, Rand Paul was tackled from behind and suffered six broken ribs in the attack, including three displaced fractures. In 2017, uh, they mentioned that Boucher pleaded guilty to assaulting a member of Congress. Last summer, he was sentenced to eight months in prison. That's interesting. Eight months in prison. I don't know how Kentucky works, but I thought anything less than a year was jail. Whatever. Just this week, uh, he says, I've been targeted, you know, see the celebrities just this weekend. Richard Marks called for violence against me. And now we receive this despicable powder filled letter. Marks, the rock star and 80s era hitmaker, tweeted on Sunday. I'll say it again. If I ever meet Rand Paul's neighbor, I'm going to hug him and buy him as many drinks as he can consume. Why? What did Rand Paul do? Rand, Rand, what did he do? In a subsequent tweet, Marx claimed that he was simply joking, saying it was a wisecrack and not incitement to violence. Marx was criticized by former Fox News broadcaster Eric Bowling, who demanded that the FBI investigate the singer. And I think they're going to have to look this, this. Someone sends a letter to Rand Paul around the same time this guy does this. And he's not the only one. They probably should. The musician's comments about Paul's neighbor were in response to an interview in which the senator said that he has no plans to get the COVID-19 vaccine because he has already been infected, uh, infected with and recovered from the disease. And for that, someone praises a violent attack. I think Rand had to get a piece of his lung removed. Mark said, it's a wisecrack about Rand Paul's neighbor. If a wisecrack about Rand Paul's neighbor is incitement to violence, what is this, Eric? Encouraging violence towards a 70-year-old actor. By a sitting U.S. senator is cool with you, Des- you desperate, disingenuous moron. Okay, well, I'm not going to uh, encourage violence against anybody. I just think Richard Marx should be investigated. Simply put, somebody makes a statement, a letter comes in the mail, you do a preliminary investigation, you go knock on his door and you ask him, have you bought any envelopes recently? Do you got any white powder laying around for some reason? Maybe this is the guy who did it. Maybe he's got followers he encouraged. Quote, until they show me evidence that people who have already had the infection are dying in large numbers or being hospitalized or getting very sick, I just made my own personal decision that I'm not getting vaccinated because I've already had the disease and have natural immunity, Paul told WABC AM radio. The Kentucky senator insisted that Americans should have the freedom to make their own medical decisions. In a free country, you would think people would honor the idea that each individual would get to make the medical decision, he told the Cats Roundtable host, John Katsimatidis. Sorry. Are they, are they also going to tell me I can't have a cheeseburger for lunch? Are they going to tell me that I have to eat carrots only and cut my calories? Paul, an ophthalmologist, questioned. Well, uh, let, me, let me slow you down. While you're certainly entitled to your cheeseburgers, I certainly think people should have more carrots. Bro, you get a good carrot, you cut it up, you throw it in that pot and you get it nice and steamy. Mm, they are sweet and delicious. Carrots are good. Yeah, cut down on the burgers, people. Burgers and fries, not too good. I definitely think you should enjoy a good burger with fries because eh, burgers got a lot of protein. But uh, no one should force you. But we should eat better. (laughs) As an aside. Anyway, I digress. Okay, so he goes on to say, all that would probably be good for me, but I don't think Big Brother ought to tell me to do it. I agree. Republican Illinois, uh, Republican Illinois rep Adam Kinzinger immediately excoriated Paul for saying he won't get the shot. So brave, such a leader, so manly, Kinzinger wrote of Paul. What? What? Kinzinger's system is is insane. What was unreasonable about Paul saying, I've got immunity and I'm going to make a decision for myself? Is Kinzinger actually advocating that we should all just do whatever the government says? That's insane. These people are nuts, man. 
They mentioned that in March 2020, Paul tested positive for COVID, becoming at the time the first known senator to contract the newly emerging disease. More than a year later, several lawmakers have contracted COVID-19, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says around, about around three-fourths of the members of Congress have been inoculated. The CDC released guidelines. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care to read about the, the vaccine stuff. Let's, let, let's, let's, what is this? So I guess, you know, Rand Paul lives next to this dude. The dude attacked him. They mentioned this. In 2019, Rand Paul underwent surgery to remove a part of his lung that was damaged during the assault. Paul was assaulted while he was mowing his lawn outside his home. The injuries caused a number of complications, including the buildup of fluid and blood around the lungs, as well as a trigger, triggering a nasty bout of pneumonia. Boucher, a retired anesthetist, told Paul in the wake of the attack that he hadn't been able to sell his $740,000 house for 10 years because the congressman's trees were in the way and he had simply had enough of him. It's believed Boucher was referring to woodland at the back of Paul's property that blocks his view of the picturesque private lake that forms the centerpiece of their upscale gated community. Boucher's alleged grievance was relayed to the media by another of Paul's neighbors. Okay, so anyway, long story short, sounds like Rand Paul was attacked by a guy who was greedy and wanted money and was making demands of Paul that Paul had no reason to, cap to capitulate to. And now leftists have been repeatedly praising and joking, celebrating the attack on Rand Paul. Here's the story from USA Today. Ilhan Omar shares tweet mocking Rand Paul's attack. No wonder he ripped his toupee off. Ha 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 ha. In an interview with Breitbart, the Kentucky senator offered to pay for a plane ticket for the Minnesota rep to visit Somalia so that she would appreciate America more. Then actor Tom Arnold took to Twitter. You know what? I just absolutely hate American politics. I like Rand Paul. He's far from perfect. This is it. This is what we get. Stupid. Ilhan Omar took a subtle jab at Rand Paul on Monday, sharing a tweet that referenced him being attacked. Blah, blah, blah. Imagine being Rand Paul's next door neighbor and having to deal with Rand Paul lying, cowardly, circular, whiny bullcrap about lawn clippings. Arnold tweeted Monday morning, no wonder he ripped his toupee off. Imagine mowing your lawn and minding your own business and someone attacks you from behind in a psychotic rage because they want to sell their house and they can't because you have trees. Imagine then that major political figures start praising the attacker and celebrating this. I'm just so sick of this, man. Man, this is tiring. I do think we're in for a, a uh, I think things are going to get nasty. I think things are already nasty. They've been, es they've been escalating. It's been getting nastier. And that brings me to where we're at now. IB Times reports, most Republicans still believe 2020 election was rigged. Trump is actual President Poll. 53% of, uh, what was it, 53? They say 61% of Republicans believe the election was stolen from Trump. 56% of Republican voters believe there was illegal voting during the election. 29% of Republicans say that Trump is partly to blame for the Capitol siege. There was a, a, a viral trend with this on Twitter. 53% of Republicans saying that Trump was the true president or something. Y'all need to accept that Joe Biden is the president. Now, I get it. You want to have an audit. You have questions about what happened. I believe that they should be supported and what and we'll listen to what they find. We did a big uh, members only segment. Go to TimCast.com. Sign up. We get down and in, in, in dirty in a lot of these talking points that YouTube won't allow us to have. I'm sorry. It's, it's true. You, you, I'll get banned outright. So if you want to see this, you know, uncensored, unfettered stuff, go to TimCast.com. Sign up. It's in the members area. But more to this story. D Donald Trump is not the president. Donald Trump did not win the election. 
There's a couple things that people need to understand, but I'll say this and then we'll get back to the story and I'll explain. The election isn't just people walking into a booth and casting a ballot. The election is a political battle of propaganda, of underhanded tactics, of questionable policies, laws, election challenges, vote recounts. It is it is never just like three guys, you know, walk into a booth and each cast a vote and they all shake hands and say, well, may the best man win. And then they walk out and say, hey, look who won. No, there's dirty politics all the time. Now, I'll tell you what happened. There's an article from Time magazine that says the shadow campaign to save the election. And this is what happened. A bunch of groups, a bunch of politicians, Democratic, you know, political staffers and, and consultants, as well as establishment Republicans made efforts to change election rules in things like increasing universal mail-in voting a year before the election, October in Pennsylvania, well before COVID. All of these things contributed to making it absurdly easy and creating massive pressure for people to vote. Donald Trump, 75, what is it, 74 point something million votes. He increased his total votes by like 12 million or more. It's impressive. People really liked Donald Trump as a president, so many people came out and voted for him. But you then had a whole bunch of people with no business in politics. What I mean by that is people who have no idea what they're talking about going out and voting. There was immense pressure put on regular people to vote. It worked. And there was also immense pressure on the political system to make it easier for people to vote. It's that simple. So people think Trump really won, except it was Republicans that that voted for universal mail-in voting in Pennsylvania. Anyway, I digress. I bring this up not because I want to rehash the election. I can't stand talking about it. I am frustrated by all of this. But to show you the fracture. When people celebrate violence against a, against a senator, against a member of Congress, and they do. And it's not like it's just on the left. On the right, you see it too. However, on the right, it's fringe. On the left, it's mainstream. Kevin McCarthy can't help himself but come out and condemn members of his own party for saying dumb things. Sure, they do, but whatever. But the Democrats literally defend people like Ilhan Omar when she comes out and says dumb things as well. The Democrats are absolutely willing to stand next to an overt anti-Semite, Il- Ilhan Omar. And the Republicans won't do it. Okay, I can respect that in Republicans, but then you realize if this is political warfare, the Republicans are pathetic. They are so weak, whiny losers who won't stand up for anything. I guess Marjorie Taylor Greene put out a tweet about stickers and vaccines, and it was dumb, whatever. But she's a fighter, and people like the fire. They like the, the, the intense heat that she brings when she comes raging and yelling and pounding the table, much like Donald Trump did. The Democrats do it. The Democrats do it. They defend their, their own members when they do it. Republicans don't defend their members when they do it. They condemn their members when they do it. So the Democrats are elected. They get in and they start extracting from the system and supporting those who would burn it down while the Republicans get paid to watch. Brilliant. So we see stories like this. Most Republicans still believe election was rigged and they're never not going to believe it. In fact, as time goes on, they'll likely ha- there'll, there'll be more and more people believing it. It's not going to change. And we, and we talk a little bit about this in the, in the members only segment at TimCast.com, which you should definitely check out because there's things I can't say on YouTube. We can say on the website. There are people who just don't care. There is no amount of news that's going to change someone's mind. 
There are many people who are like, don't know, don't care. Democrats are liars. The media is lying, period. No matter what happens, I'll never believe it. The same is true for the left. Donald Trump is evil and a liar no matter what. No matter what. You take a look at the lab leak stuff now. There's this, um, I don't know this guy, Luke, Luke something. He's, just, he's the guy who discovered the HIV back in the day and won like the Nobel Prize. They were calling him a conspiracy theorist for a long time because he was saying that he thought that the lab leak hypothesis was true based on what he saw. And then they said he was a conspiracy theorist and it was not true and he was wrong. And then Fauci comes out and says it. And now they reverse course. I'm sorry. I don't think Fauci is as qualified as this guy is. That's how the media works. They pump out all this fake news. You had Vox.com claiming the theory was debunked, which is funny. Like, how do you debunk something unless you actually go and investigate it? The point is, I know the media lies. And I know why that people will never just they'll never believe any of this. So I, I know the original story was talking about Rand Paul, but I, I saw this story about people praising his attacker and then saying, yeah, well, you know, I'm just joking. And I'm like, man, these people really are vile, aren't they? I don't want anybody getting attacked. I don't care if they're on the left or the right or whatever. I don't want anybody getting attacked. Let's have a, let's have a debate about things. But I think we're well past that point, which is scary. Uh, look, if, 50, if 61% of, of Republicans believe that the election was stolen, that means only 8% of, that, of, of Republicans accept that it means Biden is the president or whatever they, you know, whatever the point is. Most Republicans, a large portion, don't believe that Biden is the real president. He is. He absolutely is. The, the, the conservatives lost the political game. And that's that. Now, I know that there's the AZ audit, but but that's 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 I guess I'm, I'm derailing again. That's besides the point. The point is, it doesn't matter what the AZ audit finds. It doesn't matter what the New Hampshire audit finds. It doesn't matter whether or not people attack Rand Paul and, and, and insult him, because what we're seeing is that there's a bunch of people who aren't paying attention to politics and a desperate attempt to recruit them, a desperate attempt to wake them up and have them join the woke or the red pill, whatever. So if that's the case, you better be sharing these videos if you want people to wake up to what's going on. They're trying to win public opinion. Now, the problem is the split goes perfectly down the middle and it's only getting bigger. The right isn't gaining ground. The left isn't gaining ground. It's true. There's some victories for the right and say gun control issues. There's some defeats for the left, but the polarization is getting more and more fierce. The anger is getting more and more fierce. And it's only a matter of time until you have two massive, angry, equal factions. There was a poll done in the UK. They asked people in the UK, are you woke? 12% said yes. 23% said no. And something like 50 some odd percent said, I don't know what that means. That's the important point. Two things. The poll shows the woke aren't nearly as powerful as you'd imagine or populous, but they're growing because we had a hidden tribes report out of the US that found progressives made up 8%. If there is a correlation between the UK and the US in terms of culture and media, then that eight has grown to 12. It may be they're different countries with different percentages. So, okay. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's going to happen? Well, they control the institutions. They control the media. They can say these things and get away with it. And it's just going to keep getting worse. Eventually, people don't care what the media says. 
and it'll boil over. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. Rand Paul, I think he's a rad dude. Shouldn't have been attacked. But they can get away with joking and laughing and mocking and celebrating the attack. They get away with it. No suspensions. When the Covington kids thing happened, one guy posted a, a, a picture of, a, of someone throwing people into a wood chipper. We're at the point where uh, we're beyond demonization, beyond dehumanization. So take a look at how many of these civil wars and, and tribalist fights happen. One side views another side as evil, inherently evil. And then the fighting starts. We're at that point now where one side views the other side as evil and there's no rectifying it. There's no coming together. There's no uh, group of people who are going to come and shake hands. And, you know, maybe I was wrong. It's never going to happen. You see, the left believes too much fake news. Certainly many on the right believe fake news, but again, they're fringe. Kevin McCarthy has no problem demonizing Marjorie Taylor Greene while Nancy Pelosi defends Ilhan Omar. It is institutional on the left. I don't care. You can say far right, right wing, whatever. I don't care what you call anybody. If you're stupid enough to believe that the Democrats are, uh, are the good guys, then so be it. And that's where we're at. It's just going to keep getting worse. I don't know, man. I want to be optimistic sometimes, but sometimes it's just damn near impossible to be. So I'll leave it there, I suppose. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.